Welcome to the Get Emergent podcast, where we discuss leadership concepts and best practices. We like to provide ideas, concepts, and pragmatic experiments to help you develop as a leader. I'm Bill Berthel. And I'm Ralph Simone. And Bill, today I came across some things I've been unpacking. You know, I moved recently and starting to realize that I have too many books. So Not I, a thing. I, I, Not a thing. The listeners out there, I, I need to make some donations, but I'm I'm looking and I need to buy more bookshelves and I still have boxes and boxes of books that I sure. haven't emptied yet. But one of the positive things that came about is I've been starting to reread some things that I read many years ago. And, oh, and, fun. and I think it's like reading them for the first time, right? You wow. you're at a different place, you know, things that you notice about the books. And and one mm-hmm. of my favorite authors. It was Wayne Dyer. I mm. read a lot of what Wayne Dyer wrote over the years. And I think he was a positive influence in a lot of my coaching and consulting work. And I came across something that I had framed for friends of mine called Dyer's Dozen. I was looking this list over and I was intrigued. First of all, you know, what did he mean by these? But I think so today, I want you and I to talk about what they mean to us and how people could use them in their own personal development. That's fantastic. And he starts his first one and, and uh, is want more for others than you want for yourself. Yeah. I think in our language, we refer to that often as the selfless leader, mm. the servant leader. Many people attach to Greenleaf's work in leadership from a service, a place of service I love that space. I think it also speaks to abundance because if you're thinking from abundance, you're not worried about not being enough for you, but wanting more for others. And I think in coaching, that's really important, you know, holding the space and wanting others to really step into their full potential, which leads us to number two, which is one I I have thought a lot about. Think from the end. Mm. And of course, my foundation was with Stephen Covey habit two of the seven habits, begin with the end in mind. Yes. I think too often we start meetings, we start conversations, we start careers without having at least some clarity about what is our desired outcome. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great way of being clear of your intentions. In the Covey work, the one exercise of you know writing your own eulogy does that from like a lifespan perspective. Matter of fact, just in a coaching engagement yesterday, this exact topic came up and I threw that possible activity out and it was too morbid. And I understand, I feel sometimes that's too morbid. But what my coaching client loved was the idea of writing it from the perspective of her retirement party. What would would the people around her that has worked with her for decades say at her retirement party? It's keeping the end in mind. It could be smaller units of keep the end in mind of this project. So he has a very catchy way of saying it. It's actually his number six on his Dyer's Dozen. Contemplate yourself surrounded by the conditions mm. that you intend to produce. And I think too often, all things are created twice. We want to build these strategic pauses so that before any major event or segment in our day or our life, so that we can contemplate ourselves surrounded by the conditions that we intend to produce at your retirement party. You know, what would you want people to say about you? That's really your leadership brand. And, you know, thinking about it leads to then inspired action. 
Absolutely. I loved it. In that conversation, she even pictured the cake they were going to serve, which was just fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of cake was it? I think it was marble with vanilla frosting. I said, I want to be there. I'm ready. (laughs) Not ready for her to retire, but I'm ready for that party. Right. Number three on the list, be an appreciator. Yeah, too often, and I think this is where curiosity can help us. Too often, I find myself judging things, Mm. uh, critiquing things. And energetically, that's really not high resonating energy. So, you know, appreciating just nature, right? Of all of the beauty that's around you, uh, I think that's where gratitude also comes in. Just be grateful for not just the good things that are coming into your life, but for the challenges that you had the strength to learn from and overcome. We absolutely can. We can appreciate you know, either those challenges or those lessons that find us. We can appreciate the pivotal conversations we have with someone. It doesn't have to just be gratitude or appreciation of beauty or excellence. It's all around us. There's plenty of opportunities for appreciation. Yes. Fourth, when he talks about staying in rapport with source energy, you know, we've both been trained in energy leadership. Mm-hmm. We've studied the map of consciousness and there, there is, you know, resonating energy. The law of traction talks about it, but lower resonating energy is victim energy. It's conflict energy. And, you know, I think what Wayne Dyer means by staying in rapport with source energy, that's the energy of People like Gandhi or Mother Teresa, it's non-judgmental. It's the energy that we create from because it just becomes not, I don't want to say effortless, but there is less resistance. There is less resistance because we're operating at a non-judgmental, almost a unconditional loving energy. It attracts things. It brings things to us that enables us to achieve what we are intending to produce. It really is. And it's the word source here is so important that it's fundamental. And we tend to stack things in between us and the source. So it's a reminder to get back to that source energy. Which leads to, you know, four and five are linked. Understanding resistance was his fifth Mm. one. And, you know, understanding the things that cause you to feel sorry for yourself, that cause you to judge that cause you to fight. And that's a level of self-awareness. And you have to be kind to yourself even when you understand that resistance so that you don't get stuck in it. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned being out in nature earlier. It's If you ever get off that beaten path, whether that path was created by humans or, or other animals, you feel what resistance requires. It is a function of not just staying on the path, but nature finds the path of least resistance to stay with the source energy, to stay with what's possible. Love it. It's number seven. We've already talked about six, which was the one around contemplating yourself surrounded by the conditions you intend to produce. But that leads to seven, which is understanding the art of allowing. Mm. Too often we're trying to force things to happen. And, you know, one of the things, it's a line in my purpose statement that I will trust and allow things to flow and unfold at their own pace and speed. And understanding the art of allowing that things will come to you when you are ready. I'm a big believer in manifestation 
But I know that the timing is not up to us. But the art of allowing actually, I think, speeds up the timing a little bit because we don't get in our own way. And so many great places to practice this. Just yesterday, you and I were in the vehicle together and we were at a red light and someone decided to make a left-hand turn on that red light and it, they did it safely. I'm like, oh, we're doing that now. So it, it could have been easy to judge that and no one Resist got hurt. It, condemn it. And stay yeah. We could have been still at the light. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to do that now. But there's lots of opportunities in our work and in our leadership to allow something that might be just a little bit different experiment in that space. Watch, be an observer instead of a controller. Allow it. Yeah. The eighth one, I uh, this, this has been coming up for me a lot, is called practice radical humility. Mm. And when I say that statement, I think of a, a number of people. One is my son, who I think practices radical humility. And if I had a nickel for every time I've heard, and mostly men refer to themselves or a colleague as the smartest person in the room, hmm. I think, where is the radical humility there? Yeah. I mean, how naive even, hmm. <laughs> you know, because we're all geniuses. We all have gifts but we also want to balance that genius and gifts with this radical humility, this teachability, this humanness, this vulnerability that allows us to connect and influence other people. I think I need to be reminded of that one. I think sometimes I get a little carried away with myself. You know, confidence is fine, but balanced with humility is finer. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need confidence to be either leading or doing good work. We need that. But the balance, the balance is the point. Nine, he talks about being a constant state of gratitude. I think mm. one of the practices that we use, uh, I do daily gratitude journaling. I encourage people that are looking to shift their energy to a more positive state is to get into a consistent practice of gratitude journaling. Three things, you know, our listeners could do it right now. Three things that have occurred today that you're grateful for. It doesn't have to be complicated, but also not just think it, feel it, right? Both think and feel those things that you're grateful for and do it daily. And I think we can share that as well. I've, I've shifted my practice of gratitude journaling to actually writing three gratitude notes a week and sharing that, sharing that outwardly to others. It keeps me all week watching for what note I'm going to write. It keeps me in that place of catching people doing really great things. And I like that. I like that space. It keeps you mindful and present to the energy that's resourceful. Yeah. That's contagious. Number 10, do not resolve a problem by condemning it. I think we heard this last night on a class we participated in. It was an Einstein quote, right? You can't solve a problem at the level of thinking when that problem was created. Yeah. And so when we condemn a problem, we're actually, we're at the low resonating energy of the problem. We are not in a creative state. We're not in an energetic state by which we could have an aha moment. And so I think that's a, a really nice reminder. What is, is. I think it's, you know, it's, it's this idea of accepting what is. It's almost a fool's errand. <laughs> It is a fool's errand not to, because it's in front of you. 
And I think our condemning and judging it keeps us stuck often. It absolutely keeps us stuck. And what resonates here, if, if we changed one word, if we uh, do not resolve an emotion by condemning it, I think about, I believe it was Freud that first said it, but I know Covey has been cited saying it as well, that an emotion not fully lived its life will come back later in, in some usually more significant, uglier way. And so condemning our thoughts, our feelings, or a problem that we're having isn't the end resolve. No, lean into it and, lean allow, into it. and allow it yeah. to die naturally, right? To run its course. So I don't know number 11. What, is, what does this mean? I had to think about that, but I think the word congruence comes up for me. Play the match game. Play the match it's game. Congruence. So what we want is that we want to have congruence between our thinking and our feeling, mm. our thoughts mm -hmm. and our emotion, and even our body, right? And so when we play the match game, what we say we want, there's a congruence between how we feel about it in that alignment creates more of a powerful attractor. Mm, okay. Um, oftentimes so, people say one thing, but they feel something else yes. by their body language or their emotions. So matching yeah. the energy, the emotion, the language, and embodying that, the somatic presence we have, matching that for the better outcome or the clearer outcome. Yeah. That's my best record. I like it. I like yeah. it. And then the last, yeah, yeah, 12 is meditate. We like to call that create moments of stillness in your mm. day. But this is slowing down to go faster. This is creating the space. This is the introspective work. We're moving so quickly that sometimes we're not able to really see things uh, clearly. There was a passage that I was reading this morning that talked about the benefit of meditating and, and slowing down said, manage your reactions by slowing down. Mm. Listen to your intuition by slowing down. <laughs> Restore your energy by slowing down. Enter the moment by slowing down. Feel the truth by slowing down. Feel your truth. Meditation is the door, is the opening into that slowing down to do all of those things and more. Thanks for listening to the Get Emergent podcast. And you can listen to a new podcast two times a month here at Get Emergent, where we bring you contemporary leadership topics and ideas balanced with best practices you can apply in your leadership.